Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang, and I'm joined with a good friend of mine who also works at SiriusXM radio and host all the MMA shows there. But here today we're talking about uh, Raiders, which also you have a podcast, RJ Clifford. It's called Autumn Windbags, which he's the host of. Catch that anywhere you find your podcast. RJ, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Of course, Heidi. Good to see you. Yeah, it is good to see you. And before we get going, I want to remind everybody to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And also we are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. All right, RJ, Raiders, schedule, things are out. We've seen what's going on right now with the McDaniels and Ziggler uh, new regime coming into the Raiders and kind of We'll we'll get into this. Brian Edwards starting a clean house, making it look like a roster that they're happy with, making things kind of streamlined in their vision. And I wanted to start with Brian Edwards, actually, and just kind of talk a little bit about what's happened there. What do you think this regime has in mind to do with the wide receiver department, especially with the addition of Devontae Adams? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Devontae is the big story in the receiver room, and, and rightfully so. He's arguably the best receiver in football. Um, so when they traded Edwards uh, to Atlanta, I, at first I was – because we've been wondering, what do they think of Brian Edwards, right? Because, like, obviously, they're going to love Hunter Renfro, right? He's just such like a, you know, the Wes Walker-type slot guy that Josh McDaniels wants. Obviously, Devontae Adams is to do everything. Obviously, they're going to love Darren Waller. But it's like Edwards was kind of like the random guy. What do they think of him? Big, strong guy. Um you know, he can win 50-50 balls, but he had trouble getting separation, not the best route runner. And so we got that answers. They moved on from him. And it, it made sense. I mean, you move on from a guy when they're at their highest value, right? And next season, he would be lucky if he was the number four pass catcher. I mean, that's best case scenario for Brian Edwards. And that's, I mean, and again, that's best case scenario with how much Josh McDaniels loves getting his uh, running backs into the passing game. So he could have dropped way low on that order. Um, and then he'd had even less value. So I thought they'd be able to get more than a fifth for him um, since he was a second rounder. But I think he fits well in Atlanta. It goes with kind of what Atlanta does with the big, heavy receivers. And he's a great downfield blocker. And I know that Atlanta is really trying to focus on the run game. So say love V, Brian. I hope you have a great time in Atlanta. How happy are you to have Devontae Adams? Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> you, you, what you, normally what you hope for as a fan of a team is let's get a guy that fits. What are we doing? And let's make sure he fits that, right? If we're going to be a smash mouth running team, you know, let's make sure we get a, a big fullback and like heavy, heavy linemen. Or, you know, if we're going to go for speed, let's get a receiver, you know, it's four, three speed, whatever. He fits everything. I mean, he fits everything. Like you don't need to scheme an offense to make him succeed. He can do whatever you want in the offense. I mean, he can, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he can beat you deep. Um, he can get the 50-50 balls. He has, you know, great route running, incredibly intelligent wide receiver to be able to, p- be able to pick up all the choice routes and complicated offense that Josh McDaniels has. And, you know, obviously he's not going to need time to get used to be having balls thrown out of my Derek Carr, right? So it's perfect, beautiful. You know, people were kind of complaining about the price, right? A first, a second, and at the time, the highest paid receiver in football. 
that's what you got to pay to have something like that. Um, and it was less than what Green Bay was expecting to pay him. Then obviously he's now already paid less than what Tyreek Hill got when he got traded. So um, the deal does, I think just looks better and better and better. And I have kept every single tweet, podcast, clip of people saying Devonta Adams to the Raiders was too expensive and not a good move. And I can't wait to shove it in everybody's face when the season's over. We're in the playoffs. Thanks to DA and DC. I can tell you this. I know I didn't say that. No, not one. <laughs> didn't find one. I was trying to get you high. I knew you were on the right side. When I spoke with you uh, last, uh, we were on the autumn wind bags. We were talking a little bit about Jonathan Abram and some of the other guys that came in in the beginning of the John Gruden and Mike Mayock regime. So when you now hear they're not picking up that fifth year option, I don't think it came as any surprise to anybody that's followed this team. But if you think that perhaps there's a chance that they might look at keeping one of them, who would it be? It's a tough one. I, I and between Clay Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram of that, of that uh, right. 2019 class, I mean, really, I mean, Jacobs is obviously the best one, but he's going to get like he's going to need like eight million dollars or something based on the fact that he was a Pro Bowler and with that fifth year, you know, um, you know. So I don't think my my co-host said it best. He's like, I wouldn't pay eight million dollars for all three of those players, let alone just one of them. And so they all got these big contracts for for fifth year. And so I mean. It, I don't dislike any one of them. I think Jonathan Abrams is the biggest question mark because he's improving quickly. Um, obviously, like he was like, I think, first or second in tackles before he got hurt this season. Like I think he was, was second, really, yeah, because I think Perry... Yeah, at, le at least second, right? Yeah. Um, so he was a tackle machine. Um, and he's still a liability in coverage, but he has improved there. Whereas, you know, two seasons ago... He just let guys just whiz right back, right, right past him while he's lost. At least this time he's in position. He's still kind of a liability. He doesn't, you know, uh, fall the ball that well. He still lets a lot of guys get, but he's, he's improving. And what I look for mostly is not what you've done. It's what you can do. Like if, if you're going like this, like if you're steadily improving, I like you here. So I think Abram likes it here as well. Um, definitely not picking up the fifth, fifth year option, but if he, if he can, if his pass coverage skills, continue to increase hopefully we'll make some kind of deal for him because he's such a great tackler you hate to I hate to lose him all right so as you start to now look at how things are shaping up post-draft you get zamir white and the running back room you have uh you know dylan parham offensive line depth you get some guys like matthew butler and the defensive end what where do you see like the biggest shining spot that they picked up in the draft who's the guy that you think is really going to be the find for the raiders so I don't want to make this sound like a cop-out answer, but what, what I looked for most in the draft was a, a general philosophy and strategy and not reaching because that's what we've been plagued with, right? All right. these first-round picks, right, with, with the Mayock and Gruden era that are just like not panning out or going to jail or whatever, you know, getting whatever it is, right? It's just been just these and, – and it's mostly players that we kind of raised our eyebrows at at the beginning, right? Like Clay Farrell at fourth overall. Like not a single person thought we needed him at number four. So what I wanted to see is like a, a strategy. They said best player available. There are few GMs and head coaches that can actually do that because for the first time in a long time, we didn't have a giant gaping hole in our roster. Not like – you know, like last season, we had to draft the right tackle. We had to draft the safety. This season, like there's certainly improvements we can make. We certainly need depth a lot of places, but there was no drastic place where we had to, you know, clean up the black eye through the draft. So that's what I like the most. Um, I just like the fact that they, like, when, you're, when you're going third round and, and back, you're not really like banking on a specific guy to be a starter right away. 
But we did a lot of add a lot of depth to the offensive line, which I think that's what they're looking for is to get a bunch of young guys in there. And, you know, other than Colt Miller at left tackle, there's every other position is more or less up for grabs. I mean, specifically right tackle, right? So um, as long, I think they're going to just like, let's just get a lot of competition in there, a lot of bodies in there, may the best man win. And hopefully they get a nice young core group of guys that can kind of grow together through the next few seasons. All right, now we're rolling, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to speak more with RJ Clifford from First Sirius XM Radio and also the Autumn Windbags, host of All Things Raiders Talk with Juan Soto. Stay tuned right here on the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Coming back here on the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast, it's Heidi Fang here with RJ Clifford. RJ, we were breaking down some of the philosophy, some of what you're starting to see out of the ideals of Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. And I wanted to get your take also on today's big news. We're speaking here on a Wednesday, and the big news was that James Bradbury, who I think a lot of Raider fans, a lot of Raider Nation was looking to maybe kind of bring in a veteran presence, a cornerback, but he ended up with the Philadelphia Eagles and getting a one-year, one year, $10 million contract. I think it's $7.5 million guaranteed. When you see him uh, not get signed to your team, what do you think about the fact that he went over to the Eagles, the price tag? Did the Raiders miss out on getting James Bradbury? It's hard to say. Um, with this new regime, I'm I'm – a little bit faster to give them the benefit of the doubt and whether they've earned that or not, I don't know. Maybe I'm being super optimistic. Maybe I'm just like, you know, super pumped on this new regime, but I, I generally give them the benefit of the doubt. And at that price tag, it, it told, cause they could, they could afford that number after June 1st, right? We got some, some more money coming in. Mm-hmm. They could afford it. They could have afforded that number. That kind of tells me that they knew that maybe Bradbury is maybe a little washed. Maybe he overplayed his actual skill sets the last couple of seasons in, in New York. And we, you know, with obviously we show the defensive coordinator at that price, you would think that he'd want to go back with the guy that made him a pro bowler. Um, it, I, that, that price, again, that price kind of tells me that maybe the Raiders didn't try that hard to get him, which, which should mean, okay, maybe it makes sense to move on. Okay, so no James Bradbury, but uh, cornerback depth, I think they've got like 10 guys that brought in Rakia scene. You see Trayvon Mullen. Maybe he can stay healthy this year. Uh, Where do you think that the main battles will be there? Will it be more in the cornerback room or more in the safety room where it's starting to look like they've brought in a ton of safeties from undrafted free agents and all in the draft and then also in cornerbacks? So where do you think the real need will be for this team in the secondary? Well, the secondary to me kind of looks like the O-line where there isn't a giant gaping hole, but a lot of, a lot of youth and a lot of guys need to prove themselves. Um, it, I mean, other than like, I mean, look, Nate Hobbs and Trevon Morick played really well last season, obviously Hobbs slot corner and, and Trayvon as a, as a free safety. And that's the type of safety that, um, that this new, you know, Patriots West way would go like they want safeties that can cover. Um, so I, I I love it. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) 
I'm going with Mick Ziegler, Patriots West. I still haven't, I don't want to say Patriots in part of it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come together as Raider Nation. We'll get a, a you know, a concrete nickname for this crew. Um, but really, it feels like, like they're all kind of there, right? I mean, Yassine and Mullen, I feel like it's their jobs until taken at the two corner spots. Um, Jonathan Abram, if they can work out some sort of defensive alignment where he doesn't have to play as much coverage, he can stay in the box a little bit more. I think that would be that would be good. Um, you know, Patrick Graham does does the three four, and the and the two outside corners are more rushing and more at the line, and they're going to need a guy in safety to come back down. It all it's the good thing is that Graham is really really flexible with how he is on defense, right? Whereas opposite of Gus Bradley, Gus Bradley's like we're doing this one defense every single play, super simple. And we're just going to execute. Whereas Patrick Graham's like, no, we're going to get out the X's and O's, and and, and we're going to have some fun. So um, I'm not. I'm cautiously optimistic, Heidi. I think it's probably the best way to put it for uh, for this young, you know, DB crew. Well, now, you know, I want to have a little fun here if you're up for it. Um, I was thinking we could play uh, MMA matchmaker with the Raiders. Okay. I want to bring the two worlds together because that's kind of where we met anyway. So Beautiful. <laughs> I was thinking. You're playing like, God, Heidi. Let's God. take Max Crosby, for instance, right? Okay. If we were going to... I don't know. Should we match him against an MMA fighter? Or should we match him with a teammate or an actual UFC fighter? Well, he could. Uh, I would. I would like to see him fight John Jones because Ooh. then Chandler Jones, John Jones's brother, and <laughs> Max Crosby's teammate would have to pick sides. He's like, who am I going to corner? My brother from my mom or my brother in the silver and black? I just want to. I just want anarchy, Heidi. Yeah, you know what's actually really cool is a lot of the NFL teams have used MMA to help train the guys and get them ready. What do you feel like are the best assets of uh, the mixed martial arts fight game that really help football players get get prepared for a season? I think the detail and technique is the biggest one. Whereas, and you know this, Heidi, to be a you know a high level mixed martial artist, it's drill, 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 attention to detail, every little tiny movement. Um, between, you know, energy conservation to explosion to cutting angles. I mean, it's all so, uh, it's so, it's very martial artist-y. And a lot of professional athletes are that way too. They have kind of a martial artist background and they're, you know, perfectionists, but not all of them do. So um, I think that would be a big one. Just kind of like the grappling and clinch stuff, just kind of, you know, being able to post at an elbow or cut an angle or, you know, push a guy to the side. I think in the trenches, that would be a big one. Um I think those two, I think those two are the big ones. I want to go back to Max just because I know the UFC has done a lot of stuff with him lately. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him huge fan and yeah, I've seen him in the uh, performance center with Dana White talking, doing little segments, doing uh, he made fights of if, you know, UFC guy was in uh, football, what role would they have? He said, Conor McGregor would be a quarterback, mm-hmm. which was silly because if you think about the throws that Connor made, I think it was yeah. in New York, right? When he was on the baseball mound and threw the football and then he threw another one on a field. I can't remember where that was, but it went, it was really atrocious. Mm-hmm. When, <laughs> when you see a guy like Max starting to get kind of noticed in the UFC and, and because of his love for it, as somebody also does a lot with the UFC, like what does that mean to, to see kind of the crossover of the two? And he's a hardcore fan. Like he's yeah. not just showing up for like pay-per-views. Like he's there at UFC apex for just like random fight nights that don't mean a whole lot. He's there front row ready to rock. So he's hardcore. Um, there's a lot of Raiders that are pretty hardcore. Richie incognito is hardcore oh, yeah. fan. Hunter Renfro is a hardcore fan. Um, and I think it's, uh, 
I, I think there's an attraction to when you know you're a badass, when you know you, you, know, you can do something that 99% of people can't do, and then you see another athlete do something you know you can't or won't do, I think there's something very impressive there, right? Like to, to play football in the NFL, like the cojones you have to have to hit, get hit, the athleticism you need, it's insane. And then you sit front row of the UFC octagon and watching guys knock each other unconscious. And that makes you kind of quiver a little bit. I think there's, I think there's a level of respect there that you right. get when you're, you know, it's like the opposite of the drunk guy on the couch that thinks he can beat up Demetrius Johnson just because he's 125 pounds, right? It's like the opposite of that. Cause this Max Crosby knows what it takes to be a world-class athlete and yeah. can look at a, look at a UFC fight and say like, that's some crazy stuff. That is, that is nuts. And I respect it. I think it was, I think it was Kat Zingano or maybe it was Misha. I can't remember who got hurt against Rhonda, but I was like, you know what? I think I would step in just to let her arm bar me. I'll, I'll do it. Cause you got I'll that, you got, that you got the right kind of screw loose, Heidi. You got, yeah. the, you got the screw loose, <laughs> but it's in the right direction. You know, it's screw it's loose, but it's in the right direction. That's like usable. I would go in there just to let it happen. That's, I want to feel that. I want to feel what it's like in the yeah. octagon. I'd never time. mess with Heidi Fang. Zero percent chance. <laughs> Never would. As we start to wrap things up, if Hunter Renfro got into a fight uh, with the MMA fighter, who would you pit him against? What weight class would Hunter be? Maybe he'd be like a welter, or would he be like middleweight? He, I mean, have to cut to be welter. He's my size. Like he'd cut. He could. He'd cut to welter. Maybe even cut to lightweight. I mean, he's he's Ooh. a he's a little guy. If you did, okay. did real weight cutting, I mean, I would I would put him again. I would put him up against CM Punk because I want zero percent chance of him getting hurt. Okay. True that. Hunter Renfro has just been indispensable. When you see a guy like uh, Dave Ziegler, who's had such a background in uh, with John Carroll University, something that comes to mind because he was like a punt returner and held some records there. So when you see that, you know, they have like this new toy and Hunter Renfro, like, what do you picture in the not we're not calling them Patriots West uh, offense? Uh, how they Nick might. Ziegler. Nick yeah. Ziegler. yeah. <laughs> what was it again? Mick Ziggler. Mick Ziggler. Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziggler. Mick Ziggler. I like it. I like now. it. Okay. So if we have Mick Ziggler, how do you think that they might open up and use some of these toys that they got in the toy box? Well, for Hunter specifically, I can imagine Josh McDaniels waking up in the middle of the night and just like grabbing like a pen and a napkin and just being like, oh, Hunter, he can do this and this and this, and it'd be awesome. Um, and, and, and like I said, like with, with Devonte Adams, he can do anything. Hunter Renfro, amazing, but he has a specific lane, right? You know, route runner guy, not a physical runner, not amazing after the cash, not burning away speed, but he'll break the ankles of any slot corner in the league. Um, and you got obviously Darren Waller, who's essentially uncoverable between his speed, his height and his route running. Um, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it is Josh McDaniels. He is such a flexible play caller and play designer that having him not limited by his personnel, I think will unlock a lot for him where it's like, all right, I, you know, let's, you know, against this defense, we're going to go speed against this defense. We're going to go power against this defense. We're going to run, you know, you know, slants or whatever, whatever it may be. Right. The fact that he has guys that can do just about anything on his roster, I think is going to really open up Josh McDaniels a little bit to say like, all right. And, and a quarterback that can make all those throws. So, um, the only thing is, can the line hold for everything that we need it to do? I think, I think that's the only thing that could possibly limit McDaniel's imagination. Mm -hmm. And even with that, like you have to give Derek Carr the time with mm -hmm. a good line. That's going to give him that clean pocket. 
And that's where I think a big question always comes up is with Derek Carr year after year, people say, oh, we should get Russell Wilson. Oh, we should go do this, you know, Deshaun Watson, or if we could, you know, bring in another guy or trade Derek Carr. After all the said and done, they gave him a contract where they could actually release Carr if they so choose and he's healthy after the, I think three days after the Super Bowl in 2023. So when you see all of that and the, the talk is always there, when you think about Derek Carr and what has to happen this year, is it playoffs or bust for him to remain a Raider? No. Definitely not. I mean, look, th- th- this this deal that contract that, that's this every fan base asks their quarterbacks to take team friendly deals. Hey, could you, you know, take a little bit less? We can get these weapons. No quarterback ever does it. No one ever does it. And don't give me Tom Brady either. Like his wife makes more money than he does. Like it's not a money thing with him. I still think Kraft or somebody was giving him stock in some company off the books. Like there's something going on weird there. I'm not going with I'm not saying Tom Brady. No quarterback ever takes a team friendly deal. Derek Carr did. He's literally the only one that did it. It would be stupid for them to cut Derek Carr for what they're paying him. To have a, a, a three-time Pro Bowler, I don't care where you rank him, top 10, top 12, top 15, a, a veteran Pro Bowl uh, NFL starting quarterback, those go for $40 million a, a year. And he's getting 28 next season. 0% chance he's gone. I mean, he would have to really fall apart, not just next season, but like back-to-back seasons for them to move on from with how good his contract is, how much the locker room loves him, and how much he's already shown he can do. I love it. Great stuff as always, RJ. I really had a great time speaking with you today. I got to have some fun too and bring both of the worlds together with MMA and football because those are the two passions close to my heart. And I appreciate you spending time kicking all the time oh yeah we didn't even talk about the schedule dude we're going to nashville in september we're going to new orleans halloween weekend uh uh, the niners are in town for uh uh, new year's day two times in la if you get a call from me at midnight at some point in the football season it's me trying to get bailed out of jail i need your help (laughs) because it's going to be a party season nashville in september new orleans and halloween i may not make it through this season alive it's gonna be too much fun that's true you know what if you don't mind can I ask you about the schedule real quick? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> the schedule itself, like you said, a lot of people are rating it as really tough um, as far as, you know, strength of schedule. How do you see the team kind of going through the ebbs and the flows of it? Where do you see like the real low point of the or tough point of the schedule being? We got a little bit of a respite in the middle after the bye, right? Bye, I'm looking at it right now, Texans, Saints, Jags. Um, and I think I, I think I was hearing that when they, we're going to stay, we the team's going to stay back east for at Saints at Jacksonville because, you know, they're already out there. So they get, uh, luckily the road trips are, I don't have a lot of faith in the Saints next season. Um, and obviously, the you know, Jacksonville's Jacksonville. Um, so hopefully like after the bye, you get three pretty decent ones. You get two East coast games out of the way against not great teams. And then it's right on to, you know, Indy, Denver, et cetera. So, I mean, we're going to find out right away what we're made of. I mean, look, we're playing AFC West is the best division of football. NFC West may probably the best division in the NFC. We're, you know, obviously we're playing both of those. Um, and then what's our easier, what's our other easy games outside of that Steelers, maybe Seahawks should not be that tough. Other than that, it's Indy Pats, Niners, obviously chiefs twice chargers twice, but I mean, 
I, I can understand why so many people are picking the Raiders to only win, you know, six, seven games, despite the fact we're so much better than we were last season. And we won 10 games last season because the schedule and the division is so tough. I can understand it. I'm still not buying it. It's another playoff season. All right. What's the final if you have to, if you put a number on it right now? Because the Vegas books are giving them eight and a half. I'm definitely taking the over on the eight and a half. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, you look at like, I think. Titans are winnable. I don't, I don't believe in the Bronx. And this is the thing with the AFC West. There's just so many more question marks, right? Is Russell Wilson the same nine-time pro bowler that he was, right? After getting hurt, you know, and he plays a style of football that doesn't age well because he's so aggressive and, and runs so much and he's so small. Uh, Raiders have Chandler Jones. Hello. Yep. We got Chandler Jones, like his <laughs> kryptonite, right? Um, I don't, I don't, I, I don't buy the Denver Broncos defense being great without Vic Fangio. He wasn't a great head coach, but he was an amazing defensive coordinator. I don't think they're going to be the same. And of course, the Chiefs were just slashing Pro Bowl players because of cap issues. So, look, there's, you know, there's, they still have Andy Reid, they still have Patrick Mahomes, right? It's still them. Um, and Justin Herbert, as good as he is on a rookie deal, so they still have cap space. That's obviously a problem with the Chargers. But there's just so many question marks. I mean, there isn't. There isn't one, you know, there's, there's not one team in the AFC West where you're like, all right, they've got their act together, right? Like they've, they've proven that what they've got, they can do. It's, I'm not buying it. I think it's still, it's a wild division to me. I love it. I love the analysis. Love the breakdown. I love that you might end up in Nashville and I may find you somewhere down that one big Broadway street. I, I don't know where, but I know if I hear you, I'll come, I'll come out to save you. Just I check will. me for, check me for a pulse. And if you got one, just move <laughs> on. That's fine. All right, RJ Clifford again. You can catch him on Sirius XM Radio with the Fight Club. Is also a host of the Autumn Wind Bags with Juan Soto. Thank you so much, RJ, for taking the time. Throw out any social media, any links you want right now. At RJ Clifford MMA on all the uh, all the Twitter spheres, and also check us out on YouTube as well at the Autumn Wind Bags. That'll do it for our show today here on the Takeaways Edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Thank you again, everybody, so much for listening. I'll be back next week.